Well, hello everybody and welcome to the Mastering Risk Management podcast. We are up to episode number 24, so uh, welcome back. Thanks for listening. Uh, Today, uh, I have another interviewee, uh, so Mario Schunk. Now, Mario is a grounded OHS practitioner who specialises in accident investigation, process auditing and sharing his accident story. Mario has a practical approach and a deep appreciation for risk and life. Currently, Mario is completing further study in the field of risk management and internal auditing. Sorry, I'll get my language right. And the Institute of Internal Auditors Australia. In terms of his own interests and family, he's uh, he's a dad to daughter Lucy and uh, and a husband. Uh, he enjoys fitness, jujitsu, talking and learning from people doing life. So that's very interesting. That'd be a big uh, a big field of endeavour. Mario started out, as I said, in OH&S. So in 1992, Mario decided to complete an apprenticeship as a first-class fitter and machinist. Uh, this was in a high-consequence environment. Uh, and in addition to him learning those trade skills, Mario was exposed to navigating and responding to industry risk and various people personalities. In 2012, Mario was involved in a significant workplace accident when a gearbox housing toppled onto him. This resulted in fractures to his left forearm as well as a severely degloved left heel. This was a moment where he felt that he might not uh, make it as he lay on the workshop floor with 800 kilograms of steel pressing into his body. Mario decided to use his recovery time to retrain and self-funded his way through several TAFE courses and university courses. The movement to risk, and, and hence our engagement with Mario today, he feels that the baseline for OHS and OHS legislation is risk management and that businesses would be better served adopting a more holistic approach to risk management, one that includes OHS. Mario is not enthused by what he terms internal OHS marketing through the excessive use and reliance on lag indicators, KBIs, and constant new initiatives, which he feels often lead to cultivating an environment of false security, overconfidence, and cynicism. He's passionate about ensuring critical business risks are adequately managed and an environment of trust is cultivated through authentic leadership and communication, believes effective training methodologies for all levels of an organisation should be in place, that effective supervision should be in place, and effective engineering controls of physical equipment and machinery, interfaces are in place and reliable. Businesses must intimately know their critical risks. I'm not referring to hazards that result in band-aids. I'm referring to potential life-altering or life-ending accidents. The risk of these hazards must be adequately or as far as practicable mitigated with regular audits in place to ensure controls remain effective and in place. And it's a quote Mario's given. Mario feels that an overall risk management approach and risk management capability in many businesses is lacking leaving significant gaps and opportunities for industry improvement. Mario is hoping to move into the risk space, adding a new flavour to the mix. So that's it. That's Mario's bio. So Mario, welcome to the program. Hey, everybody. Uh, Pleasure to be on the podcast and, uh, yeah, it's a true pleasure. Excellent. Excellent. Great to have you. And um, great to have you too, Mario, because one of the things I aim to do with the podcast is get a wide variety of people from a wide variety of risk disciplines and, and safety is obviously a very important one in all of that. So it's great to have you, one, with your background uh, in safety, but two, also to hear about your transition 
uh, into yeah, into a broader right. risk management space. So so welcome. So awesome. the bio was fairly comprehensive, but tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you got to uh, the point you are today. All of those sort of developmental steps you took along the way. Sure. Um, um, like my bio said, uh, my background is in uh, fitting and machining. So I was a I was a tradesperson for about eighteen years, and you sort of learn the ropes on the floor, and you do you learn you learn by what others do, and you learn by what not to do, by the mistakes they do, and yep. you finish your trade. And, and I was I was a fairly confident tradesperson, I believe. And um, back in 2012, I had a pretty serious accident. I was working in a in a in an isolated part of the workshop, and um, it was a really busy part of the season. For the workplace, doing work for, them, for a major mining client, and uh, so I was there by myself, and I'd been in this job for just a matter of a few weeks, and uh, I was pulling this cover off this massive big gearbox, and it fell onto me, and pretty much squashing me on the floor. Um, wow! around, I knew that I had to somehow, uh, I suppose conjure up the courage to scream help. Um, luckily, someone had heard my screams for help and uh, came rushing with a forklift and they dragged me out. Um, I consequently spent about, uh, about a year and a half on compensation and uh, with a threat of my of my leg being amputated, because um, it was quite serious, I had, um, but at the time, I was laying on the ground. I thought that I was, that I was bleeding out. So, uh, so I actually came to the point where I actually said goodbye to my wife and my daughter. Wow! So it was quite a wow. quite a serious yeah. time in my life. Yeah. Um, and so, so when I was in in hospital, I had. I spent about ten weeks on my back, and so I'm I've become quite a, quite a good little bush lawyer. So I started uh, <laughs> you know, reading up on the act and the regs, and and yep. uh, so I decided, you know, someone needs to really get into Osh with, with my practical background, learn some skills, um, just to sort of uh, be that mediator between the management and the workshop floor. Um, I'd seen this time and time again that within our industry there seems to be a real conflict and, and, and different different parties play on this, uh, you know, unions, etc., where they sort of blame each other and you got the, the bosses say, well, you know, they're all stupid out there and the workers will say, well, they're all... They're all um, Covering their bums and their, I suppose my my experience through my training and and seeing things on both sides of the coin, I understood that actually really requires teamwork, coming together and having a real consultative approach yeah. to safety and risk management. You know, and so that's pretty much my my approach now is to be still be practical but also involve both sides of the coin. So um, I always started um, 
do an interview and say to me, what's your goal next five years? I said, well, my goal is actually starting your business and then leave. Mm. Why is that? Because my job is to really, well, I feel my job is to to enable others to manage their businesses and develop their systems and people control so I can then step away and see that see that business blossom. Yeah. Rather than rather than sit in a corner and make a career for myself as being an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's that's great. And and do you find um, that your experience, I mean the obvious the accident was obviously horrific and, and you know you, you battled through that and I guess from that you probably found this new passion for safety and to make sure it doesn't happen to others. Yeah. Do you find there is still some complacency with some people that, that you know, it'll never happen to me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure why we've got to do all these things, they just waste time. Uh, you know, do you still get that attitude? And, and, and if so, how do you deal with that? How do you help break down that barrier? There's definitely still complacency and complacency on both sides of the coin. Um, from the workers, I suppose, the workers assess risk on what they perceive as being a realistic um, outcome of their action. Yep. You know, so I suppose um, if they've never experienced it happening or seen someone um, being hit by a bit of equipment or never been trained, then they, they don't really know how to act to prevent that or you know, it's not considered an in their risk equation. You know? Yeah, yeah. From the management point of view, they often, um, I find they rely upon um, controls and sometimes assume the controls are effective where, um, in actual fact, when the bosses aren't around, the controls um, actually aren't working. Yeah, yeah. Or they rely heavily on, on lag indicators to provide a a safe um, score when really like lag indicator if you um, if you truly critically look at what that's telling you it doesn't present that at all yeah so, yeah yeah so, okay safety is really complicated and, and um, it's interesting because it involves the human side on both sides that you know and um, yeah yeah Definitely a very interesting field, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the things, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that seems to make it very interesting, and I had a, I had a sort of five-year stint in it as well, was right. just the variety of things that you deal with, you know. It's just, oh. it's it's never the same. You wake up every day and you think, well, what's going to happen today? <laughs> yes. Um, I spent five years in local government, and that was different because it went all the way from... Um, you know, rangers catching dogs yep. to uh, care environments where the where care is going into, you know, into people's houses and yep. helping them dressing and yep. to to construction crews. You know, so very, very varied environments, and you've got a, a good appreciation of public and and corporate type of risk. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Absolutely. And what do you what do you find in doing the work? You know, regardless of industry or or client, what what's the the thing that you get the most reward out of? What what do you get the biggest buzz out of? I get the bit, biggest buzz out of, quite frankly, being 
being useful and and feeling like I'm actually bigger part of something that's bigger than me yeah. and things are getting better and I'm part of the like I'm helping the business and everyone else to to improve um, one thing that probably doesn't um, help me is when businesses think that they can somehow employ someone to sit in a to sit and do all the safety stuff for them, yep. not, not be involved, and so they can somehow carry on their business in a sort of set-aside way. Yeah, so they, yeah. It becomes a bit like lip service, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, um, yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. And then I feel sort of adds to the sort of, to the, to the workplace cynicism. Yeah. And then creates that, that whole sort of overconfidence in their controls. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. No, that's yeah, good. So. That's good. So what? Um, and I, I didn't. Um, I didn't highlight it at the start. But what are you doing now? Are you consulting at the moment, or you? What are you doing exactly at the moment? I'm actually having a break. I finished up my last role with Patrick's Terminals. Right. Just in April, and due to COVID, it's sort of my contract went up in smoke for a little while. So. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm just having a, a bit of a break and seeing what's out there. Yeah, I'm also doing the doing advanced diploma in governance, risk, and compliance. So excellent. And just a bit of a course in between now and the next role. Yeah, good. hopefully. Good. Um, now uh, you're ba- you're based in WA, and you've yeah, done. Um, it sounds like you've done a fair few industries. Did you just want to rattle off some of the industries you've done? So you mentioned local government. Um, what yeah, other sort I've of things? In, yeah, sorry. Um, I've worked in manufacturing, um, local government, a little bit of oil and gas, mostly uh, six. So yep. they're probably the major ones I've worked for. Excellent. Um, yeah, I find I find that um, there really there really isn't um, isn't that much difference in between the um, industries. Right. The only major difference there is probably local, it's probably um, local government, right? The complexity of the organisation. Right. Right. Would you yeah. would you say any of the industries, and you don't have to name names from a company point of view, but yeah. do any of the industries stand out as having a higher awareness, a higher safety awareness, or risk awareness generally? I think the risk capability in local government from from my experience, has been far greater than right. okay. the rest, really. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I think local government has got the extra level of uh, legal risk. Right. So lots of eyes watching the, the government. So Yeah, so they're probably, they're probably more cognizant of what can go wrong or uh, and, yeah. and the exposures that they have, I guess. And I suppose they also tend to commit um, adequate resourcing and, and you know, um, I tend to grasp risk a lot better. Right. So yeah. Okay. No, that's good. My experience anyway. yeah. 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 No, that's good. That's good. Um, and so uh, in this period, you're doing the, the program, doing the course, what do you hope to be doing? So what's your future ideal role look like? Right. Um, I'm, I'm really keen to move, I suppose, more towards the centre of a business, so more into a, like a risk risk management dash assurance type role. So um, I'm really passionate, really about um, 
getting back to the risk management basics and actually getting back to the risk register and then doing auditing based off that and actually presenting executive with a, with a report say, to say, this is where your critical high consequence controls are at. Right, right. You know, um, to me, I think um, if I was a CEO, um, I would want to know what those serious issues are yeah. and how its risk of being controlled and yes. if they actually are controlled effective or not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that from what I've seen that um, um, executives really aren't given the information they need to make themselves confident of that. Yeah, um, if, yeah. If you're solely relying upon daytime indicators... And, it, and you know, number of accidents to give you some kind of a indication of safe or yep. whatever safe means. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think you're in trouble. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And I think, um, I mean, you probably probably um, mentioned a lot of industries that do it now, but mining's another one where that whole critical controls management approach. Um, is really strong yeah, yeah. and and look at mining and the way they've been able to turn around accident statistics and and those sort of things mm-hmm. that you know the the number of incidents they have nowadays is is very rare it's it's um you know it's managed really well and and they set a bit of a benchmark so what what would you per- sure. what you perceive as less um uh, dangerous industries uh, actually having higher rates than mining for instance because they do such good work with some of this critical Correct, control, yeah. so that that's a good um, a good goal is to be looking at that, and and probably the other uh, you mentioned the idea that executives don't necessarily get the data that they need, you know, to make those key decisions. I think part of the problem with risk professionals is that they mm. talk risk language and not business language, yeah. right? So that's you know, true. executives need to hear stuff as it relates to what they do on a day to day basis. So. You know, that's, that's a common complaint that um, we see when we're consulting to organisations is that, you know, people speak risk language at them and they just switch off and their eyes glaze over. So there's something to be said for talking. Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what, um, I guess one of the big challenges and uh, more, more broadly around risk or safety or quality assurance or whatever it is, whatever element of risk, security, is the challenge is keeping the business engaged and on the journey. Do you, do you have any thoughts around success in doing that, in, in strategies you've used or approaches you've used that, that have kept the business engaged? They, they know, geez, we have to do this stuff, but, but they're actually engaged and they want to do it for the right reasons. Have you, have you had examples of that? Yes, um, I think uh, one thing that I like to do um, is communicate to people what's in it for them. Right, you know? right. And that's at all different levels. So um, each level, the workforce want to know that they can go home with all their bits attached. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I found that that most workforces actually know what the risks are out there, you know, yeah. and... So you don't really need to sort of try and tell them that everything's safe. And yep. I think that people, people need to know what the critical risks are in the work environment and, 
you know, what the controls are. Yeah. Um, in terms of bringing them along the journey, just um, regular update reports and, and progress reports on, you know, sort of just a bit like change management. You, you bring them along for the journey, show them where you've come from, where the goal is, how we're going, keep that feedback happening, you know. Mm. Mm. Uh, same with management yeah. so, but of course the language changes you know Yeah. so it's really about tailoring your message yeah. and um, and just being open and uh, transparent yeah, yeah. And, you know um, um, I use the term uh, hang out your dirty laundry you know <laughs> uh, share, your, share, your, share your losses and celebrate your wins together you know yeah, yeah. Um, I think that workforces are not silly and um, if you try to to try and dress things up or cover things up, it's just not a rat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I encourage people just to be transparent and um, you know be honest with people. Yeah, and just treat them like adults. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so if you, um, uh, I've come across it in my career, and I think most people I've spoken to it. Uh, to about it have come across it in their careers and that is the challenge that you will sometimes get from a usually a finance person uh, with apologies to all finance people listening but it's usually yeah. a finance person that says well what value do you add right um, how do you how do you address that question so how do you say you know I do bring value and, and this is what it is yeah and um, it is a difficult um, question and it's not always black and white like no. um Sometimes you can't, you can't, you can't measure the negative. You can't measure what, what hasn't happened. Yes, exactly. But it could have happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I guess again, you could use um, previous um, statistics in terms of um, um, incidents and accidents that have occurred. Um, you know, showing. Culture improvement by having a like a um, organisational type survey. Yep. Uh, just, just demonstrating I mean, improvement. So, you know, I think that uh, with improved uh, safety and risk management, there's often a lot of trade-offs which which aren't directly you know, attributable to safety itself. Yeah. Yeah. But people want to hang around there longer. People want to, you know, they want to report hazards more or they'll want to get on board and um, put forward better ideas, better creativity because they actually yeah. become more bought, bought into the business. Yeah, yeah. They actually start believing in the business more. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always tough. I mean, you shouldn't have to sell the value of someone no. going home safely. Yeah. But sometimes you have to say, well, listen, you know, we had four of those incidents last year. You invested the $100,000 in capital to put in some preventative controls. Uh, we've mm. had one incident this year. So just on the cost of those other three incidents, you've saved $2 million. Right, you know, yeah, and you, right. can't, you can sometimes boil it down to that. But, you know, I think mature uh, boards and senior executives... Uh, know that it's more than that, right? And they know yeah. that it's about sending people home in the same condition they were that they arrived. Um, and, yeah. you know, you don't have to do those uh, mathematical mind games with, with 
the finance people just to justify your existence. But unfortunately, there's still organisations out there that are just all about, you know, the dollars and cents and, and not much yeah. else. So, no, that's that's yeah. good. Thank you for sharing. So, right. so I guess a, a question for you then, um, a bit of a philosophical one, though, but what's the what do you think the b- biggest challenges are in this space at the moment? What are the things that are really facing the profession um, at the moment? I think um, I picked up something during my course the other day, which which really highlighted this for me. You do a course and just sort of compounds or makes it feel nice because you you think that some other someone else thinks what you're thinking, which is nice. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I see a lot of organisations managing safety risk. in a crisis management way rather than a risk management way. Yeah. So, yeah, risk management involves, you know, forecasting and being strategic about the way you manage risks, being proactive and and um, trying to, I suppose, um, make predictions about what are the serious risks and, you know, putting things in place to prevent. Yeah. But... Uh, but but I feel many organisations now employ safety people um, to sort of reactively respond to accidents and, and hazards and yeah. So that I suppose it 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 it's got it causes a lot of damage in, in terms of dragging that person down to the ground level, who then does everything for the organisation, as well as then. Um, so that means that person's lost from the, you know, uh, looking out the trenches. So he's in the trenches. You can't you can't look out. Yeah. What's coming next? We're not looking at um, are, are the controls effective or not? Uh, we're just doing. We're consumed with LTI reports, with triffid reports and graphs, and not reporting this and that. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, these reports say, oh, um, everything is safe, we're doing great, LTI is down, you know. Then all, um, all of a sudden, you get fatality. Yeah, yeah. Seemingly out of nowhere, because you haven't been doing your risk control assurance. Yeah, yeah. So that's the real trap when you stop adequately resourcing safety and... And, and I suppose some organisations have a safety person very high on the tree, which I don't think... To me, safety has to come back into risk management. Mm. And I think mm. we need to somehow um, become more holistic in risk management again. Yeah. Because obviously a lot of organisations that I've worked for have pretty much have no risk team apart from the safety guy. Mm. Um, and as you know, risk is so much bigger than just safety. Absolutely. It's so much bigger. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. really good, Murray. I think that's a really good observation. And, and the, the dilemma organisations face um, is this one all the time about what resourcing is required, how do we support mm. a proactive safety environment or a risk environment for that matter as well. And, uh, you know, uh, we were working with a client recently where 
you know, I think they, they had a team called risk and compliance and I think there was something in the order of 60 or 70 people in the, in the function um, in an organisation with around 8,000 people in it, you know, they they wondered whether they had enough. And enough's a very interesting question because, you know, mm. one might be enough, regardless mm. of the size of the organisation, if the people in the business units are on board and actually yeah, take on the responsibility for mitigating risks. Um, yes. If those That's people true. out in the business don't take on board that risk, then 100 yeah. people might not be enough to mm. do it either. Because I think yeah, you've made a very good point about getting up out of the trenches and actually yeah. start to think a bit more holistically across the organisation and being proactive rather than mm. reactive. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. There's another point to that too, which, which I failed to mention, was that when when you get a shop floor worker who's working on the shop floor and safety guy comes on board who's been employed to do all that is safety for the business, that unconsciously communicates to that employee that my, well, this is not part of normal business because my supervisor's not telling me this. This safety twit is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, he's not a, he's not a forklift uh, driver or he's not a uh, truck driver. Yeah, absolutely. And, so I think employees need to be very, very conscious of what they're actually communicating and unconsciously through the way they resource, the way they recruit, the way they structure the organisations too. Yeah. Because um, that's that's a real. Um, to me, I really, really feel that safety quality risk needs to be part of the way that we do business yeah rather than having this bipolar sort of schizophrenic type management approach where we have yeah where safety we're safety and quality one day and then next we just do production you know yeah yeah really can't have that yeah and that, that i suppose is that's that's the maturity journey i suppose yeah yeah yeah, it's a good. It's a really good observation you've made. You, you, you've first got to answer the question about you know what do you want to achieve and and you know what are your goals and all of those sort of things, and then you can start saying well what do you actually need in terms of resourcing and skills and tools and all of those sorts of things to actually deliver on that. So yeah, it's a really it's a really good question, um, um, and you know it, it often sort of staggers me that businesses get that they have to have a finance function. They need somebody to count the money and figure out if they're profitable. They have a HR function, so they need somebody to figure out, you know, do we need more staff and are they the right people and are we training them and looking after them, those sort of things. But when it comes to risk in all its various forms, rather than take that on themselves as a business unit, they want to delegate that to some central function and say, well, that's your responsibility. Uh, It's just crazy. It really makes you scratch your head because, to me, um, if I was setting up a business, to me, risk is pretty much everything. That, that's pretty much everything. It comes back to risk. Yeah, yeah. Finance, you're purchasing your your um, your HR role. Um, it's all risk. Yeah. Um, if not done properly or not done well enough. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, risk management done well is about the organisation being able to take on more risk, not yeah, stopping risk. Exactly. It's actually it's actually letting them take on more risk, 
make more yeah. money, realize more opportunities, you know, yeah. do those sort of mm. things. So I think I think that's a key point. I even read it in an article today, um, you know, from a very senior uh, lecturer at, at one of the universities um, here in Sydney, uh, where they talked about, oh, you know, you could have this downside risk or you could have an opportunity as if they were two different sides, right? Yeah. Risk, risk is opportunity or threat, right? Risk yeah, has yeah. two sides and people forget that. So people sometimes think of the word risk and just think that's all downside. But no, you've got to take a risk to make money. You've got to take a risk to innovate. You've got to take a risk to do a business acquisition. You've got to take a risk to expand to a new country. You know, it's, it's, you know yeah. people have got to understand both sides of the risk coin. And, um, you know, it, it still uh, surprises me today that some very senior people talk about risk only in the negative context. Yeah, that's true. I think that's a real pity because I think that look, I'm quite a, quite a deep thinker and I like to lay in bed at night thinking about risk and yep. safety and all that yep. Weird stuff. Yep, that's yep. my wife's about <laughs> And... Um, it's sort of, um, I really think, for the, for the you know, human race to really go forward, we really need to start embracing risk. And, and, mm. and you know, we are, we do live in, live in uncertain times, but we have pretty much always been that way. And we just need to, I suppose, get, get accustomed to risk. And I, I think to... to um, Re-establish our risk uh, appetite, almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think um, if we, if we're not ready to take risks, then we're in real trouble. So. Yeah, I think you're right, and there's there's almost this um, this unconscious nanny state attitude by you know, governments or, you know, uh, businesses, you know, some, yeah. a, a kid falls over and scratches their knee, so all of a sudden everybody's got to wear knee guards. Um, you yeah. know, it's just you, you can over um, overreact <laughs> to negative, yeah. negative things and um, what that does is then stifles opportunity. And, you know, it's been said a few times that Australia is extremely risk-averse, um, you know, yeah. when it comes to innovation and research and development. And, I mean, we used to be very, very good at this stuff. Mm. But, um, you know, boards and, and governments seem to have become very risk-averse of, of recent times. So I, I think mm. there's an opportunity to recalibrate and, you know, re-educate. Uh, part of the reason I wrote my book was just to get back to some yeah. base principles. Risk is upside and yeah. downside, you know. It's both of those That's things. True. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the best things that I ever did in my life was uh, when, I, when I finished my apprenticeship. I, um, friend and I were quite involved in motorsport, and I was involved in sprint cars. And, and well, and I actually owned a rally car for two years, and I drove a rally car for two years. Wow, it's a pretty, pretty full on risk activity, but it was the best years of my life. Yeah, you know? yeah, and you just learn so much about risk, and um, you know. Assessing risk on the go, you know, uh, being prepared, training, and you know, yeah, yeah, um, just a good experience. But if you hadn't, if I hadn't stepped out and taken that risk, um, you wouldn't have the benefit of the stories I have now. You know? Yeah, and uh, 
That's right, but you didn't, presumably, you didn't go into it blindly. You thought about the safety implications. You, you know, you equipped the car appropriately. You made Absolutely. sure you were fit for purpose when you were driving. You know, Absolutely. it's the same as anything else, right? It's an opportunity, yeah. but you consider the up and the downside, and you manage yeah. that. And that's why I think about my, my approach rather than telling people what not to do. I would lean towards giving people the, the information with which... The, they can make a decision for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Give them some guidance around that. And I think treat people like adults. Yeah. I think if you do that, people will will grow and they'll develop a common sense. What do you want to call that? Yeah, yeah. But I think um, if we keep on trying to control people and in a way almost dumb it down for them, we're going to create a society which is not able to assess and manage risk, which is a real worry, because mm. you need it for just across the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, a, that's a probably, probably something to raise for the bigger, bigger people in our society. <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned crossing the road, because if you see people with uh, smartphones nowadays walking across roads without even looking, um, you, you yeah. can see that um, there is a, a, a real risk that somebody's going to get very hurt very shortly. I'm a bit concerned when they talk about the COVID, they'll now be walking across the road watching out for COVID people and then end up getting hit by a bus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's exactly exactly <laughs> the issue. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, Murray, that's been really good. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, and if you're happy or somebody wants to get in touch with you, I'll, I'll include your email address on the on the podcast link and people might want to catch up, talk to you, uh, offer you a job, who knows? <laughs> so, happy to do that as well. Um, any last thoughts before we uh, before we sign off? And, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Anthony, I wish you all the best and uh, I'll be talking to you Excellent. All right. No, thank you, Mario. So uh, appreciate your time. Um, thank you all to our listeners. Uh, it's great that you tune in for the podcast. As I said, we're up to number 24. But we do have uh, some other guests lined up too going forward. So keep an eye out uh, for the podcast links. Uh, I'm Anthony Wilson. This is Mastering Risk Management. You can contact me on 0404 829 040. And uh, yeah, listen, have a great day. Thanks again for listening. Bye.